This is Multinew Media. You're listening to episode 8 for the week of April 13, 2015. In this episode, Chase Raz and Christopher Woodward talk about the impacts of new media on cable television. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Multi New Media. Oh, I'm Chase Raz, and if you don't know me, I uh, go back to episode one if you don't know me. There's a bunch of information about me. And who is with me today? Me. <laughs> who are you? Who am I? No, I'm Christopher Woodward, and uh, I'm here today to talk a little bit about something I hold near and dear to my heart, and that is media and the entertainment industry and technology has just... Uh, thrown a industry that was already kind of having its issues into total disarray. And I am talking about television, and specifically the uh, cable television industry. And what is going on, uh, I mean, we are at, I think, a, a and, I'm, and when I say we're at, I'm talking about for the last year and a half, and probably for the next year and a half or two years, uh, we are in this period where the whole model of television and the business model of cable TV and the business model of how people receive their entertainment has just been going through a radical paradigm shift. Uh, you know, the sky is falling in some cases. Uh, a new business model is emerging that some people are scared of uh, and some people don't understand. Uh, and it's just, it's a crazy time. And it, I have to be honest, I'm kind of glad I don't work in the cable television industry right now. I think you're onto something here. This is near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. First and foremost, because a lot of us are consumers, right? And we pay for cable television and we like to watch television. But then there are a lot of us out there, a lot of our listeners that probably work in these industries. So, Christopher, what, uh, what, what's, what's really, uh, you mentioned some things that were happening, but what specifically is going on with cable television that that puts us in some type of you know transition period or or change period i mean there's there's it's not just one thing there's so many different factors um and i think the 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 base factor and and again there's a lot of we're going to go through a few different ones here um just to kick it off though is you have to go back to i think basically the arrogance of the cable and satellite television industries um say what you will but for the most part Many cable systems have had more or less a monopoly uh, in North America, depending on what part of the country you're in. Uh, I'm sure many of our listeners know, wherever you live, amazingly, a lot of areas only have one cable company. There is no competition. It's a monopoly. If you want cable television, if you want to be able to get the channels that are only available via cable, you only had one option, one cable company. But let's ex- uh, let's let's pause there for a moment and explore why, right? My my understanding is, let's go into the back in the day machine. That back in the day, this was a a government thing for the benefit of the people, right? Because we had infrastructure as such a cost to deploy out these services. I don't know. Maybe maybe it was a lobbying effort, right? I, you know, we, we could go back and we could look at all the documents from the past hundred and some odd years as all of this has been unfolding. And when we talk about cable industry since the 1970s, really, we could start looking at um, how it's played out. But 
you know, at the end of the day, isn't it, isn't it all about the infrastructure cost and what it costs to deliver the product or, or, or the service to the people? And uh, that's one of the reasons, maybe not the primary reason, I would think it's the primary reason, but that's one of the reasons why we have this monopoly in place. But we don't have to have that anymore. No, and, and obviously the first part of that crumbling was obviously satellite television. When DirecTV and Dish Network and all of a sudden satellite TV entered the picture, a lot of markets where you were kind of beholden to that one cable company, suddenly you, you had a new option. You had the satellite companies. You could get many if not all of the same channels from the satellite companies. However, the satellite companies, and I'm, I'm using the two major ones obviously in North America, and I mentioned DirecTV and Dish, they fell into the same trap that these cable companies did in terms of their arrogance, in terms of you'll pay what we want you to pay because we're the only way you're going to get this content. And that, that is where the cable industry kind of sat for a while was if you want it, you have two choices, either pay us or try to get it illegally. Try to get it through a, you know, the infamous hot box or something like that. Right. But then things started to change. And the reason things changed, technology, obviously, big factor here, is all of a sudden you had the internet and streaming and speeds that could all of a sudden carry a television broadcast or a live television broadcast to the point where it was enjoyable, and I know I'm going to go really old school here, but for those that remember the days of you know downloading a 30 second clip and thinking that was amazing, you could watch that on your computer. You know, you fast forward to now where your internet speeds are so fast, your machines are able to deliver you television quality content, not only in terms of speed of delivering, but in terms of the picture quality. You now have monitors that are the equivalent of, if not the same as. A high definition television set. Suddenly, there was a way to deliver this content without going through the traditional outlets of cable and satellite. The difference, of course, was for the most part, those were illegal streams that most people were getting. But then we started to see this movement, and, and I'm bridging into another area now, but this bridging into the content providers going, hey, there's another way for me to deliver my product. I don't just have to deliver my product through the cable companies, through DirecTV and Dish and the satellite companies. I can deliver my content through the internet. And it, again, it, it seems like it was you know, a blink of an eye. It's actually a slow process. But you look at the time and all of a sudden, here's things like Hulu Plus. Here's things like Netflix where you're getting streaming movies and streaming broadcasts. But then you have the networks, you have NBC streaming their live sporting events on their website. So all of a sudden, you don't necessarily need to be on your television set, on your cable company or your satellite company to watch you know, Sunday Night Football or Stanley Cup playoffs or what have you. These live sporting events are being streamed in real time on the computer, on the internet, all of a sudden, it changed the way we look at where we get our content from. And the people providing the content, and obviously NBC is a good example, uh, all of a sudden, so they had another outlet to deliver that content. And again, quality was no longer a factor. It wasn't a case of, well, you can't show it streaming on a computer at the same speed as you can. Oh, yes, you can. So the quality was there. The content was there. And I think that was the beginning of this kind of, well, maybe the cable and satellite industry, it's kind of had a stranglehold 
on people's entertainment is suddenly having an issue because there's now new ways for us to receive the content. Yeah, and you know, I, I, here, I'll, I'll go back to basics. I'm a futurist, right? Okay, so in our, our futurist minds, everything that you just said is, is wonderful and true and accurate, but here's where I think when we stop um, focusing on the future and what's going to happen and what we know is going to happen, we have a little bit of a quagmire right here and now. And what I mean by that is we had, uh, and I'm just going to throw random examples out here, we had cell phone networks, which by the way, uh, cable companies, uh, if you're, you, you know, you're listening to this, hopefully uh, the writing's on the wall, uh, cell phone companies, we're coming after you next. Right, that's that's the next industry to have this happen. But uh, uh, cell phone companies were trying to deliver uh, television over a wireless network so that you could watch on your phone as early as the uh, early 2000s. And we have different IPTV services, and most of those have been professionally targeted because we needed larger bandwidth connections at the uh, at the consumer site. So maybe hotels or offices where um, they were purchasing more bandwidth and therefore a dedicated IPTV stream was uh, more economical. But what happens now, when we when we remove off this futurism and say, here's what's happening and we know what's going to be the end result of this and we're going to have all of these different choices, we're not going to be locked into a monopoly. But we have Netflix, which was sort of an anomaly, right? And I know a lot of technical purists are going to yell at me for saying that, but Nobody was delivering to the mainstream that type of video content quality in that volume before Netflix. And so even though people were delivering video, right, nobody was as mainstream as as Netflix. So we have that going on. But then we have uh, broadcast television networks trying to scramble to catch up and creating this, this Frankenstein monster that's known as Hulu. And not one of those networks that created Hulu really likes it. Uh, they would love to, you know, they keep going into this mode to where they'd love to sell to somebody if one uh, corporate entity could come and pick it up and take it. So we have Netflix and we have Hulu. And then we talk about the different streaming options. So uh, we have NBC streaming their own stuff independently and ABC and, and Fox. A, a lot of the companies, by the way, that are a part of Hulu streaming independently. Now, cable companies. And some of these cable companies that we have, and what I mean by cable companies in, in this sense, is not the actual cable provider, but companies that focus on digital content delivered through cable. So Discovery Communications and various others, uh, MTV networks, these types of companies come through and they stream their content online. And so what happens is we have this fragmentation to where I as a consumer am not necessarily sure where I need to go to get what package and I'm still locked back into cable if I want everything in one place. Now I'm okay with not having everything in one place but what happens when it breaks out and I start needing multiple services with multiple add-ins. So by the time you pay for your internet and Netflix and Hulu if you need to replace broadcast TV and can't get an, uh, an OTA uh, antenna. If um, if then you have to you know get something like uh, an IPTV service like uh, PlayStation View or or um, Sling TV or, or one of these, right? The cost starts adding up, and I've seen some folks who cut the cord and actually end up paying more 
for all of these different options. Do you see that as much of a concern going forward, or are you like me and see all, all of this kind of streamline as companies figure out we need to put our, our, our content everywhere uh, and then let the customer choose how they acquire it? You see, I think a lot of it comes down to the consumer themselves. And as a consumer, you have to decide what you really want and what you're actually using. Now, that's where I, I think you run into the issue is you have people who they're not sure what they want and they end up subscribing to multiple services. And, oh, you know, I need to get a, I, I got a Roku, but, but I can't get this up with my Roku. Roku, so I sign up for this, and, and I really want that, and I can't get it through here, so I'm going to go to Hulu. I mean, Hulu doesn't have it. Oh, maybe Netflix. So, and you're right. People do end up spending as much as they would on a, on a cable or satellite bill, if not more, uh, and also the ease of use. Um, see, I see the ease of use issue as one that, with everything else you know, in, in time and entertainment and technology, getting easier. It's going to get easier to use multiple services. It's going to get easier to switch between your Roku and your Hulu or your Netflix or your accounts. Or, you know, right now, I'll give you an example. My brother-in-law, he cut the cable very early on, uh, quite a while ago, actually. Uh, but then I would watch him, and he would be scrambling between you know, having a computer, a, an actual desktop hooked up to his TV set, to try to get streams, and then he was using Roku for this and Netflix for that, and 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 switching back and forth and whatnot, uh, and and using secondary sources for streams, and he would have a lot of issues. And I would look at that and go, you know, for the convenience of being able to pick up one remote and flip the channel, I'm not cutting the cable. Right. I'm going to stick with what's convenient for me right now. That convenience now, as, keeps a lot of people in there, uh, a lot of people I, I with cable does. and satellite. And I think it will for the foreseeable future for a lot of people. However, as these other you know outlets or whatever we want to call them, uh, you know formats, as the ease of use works its way in, it becomes easier to use these things and hook these things up. You don't have to, you know, run multiple wires or, or inputs or what have you. Then you're going to see more people gravitate. And that's more of a hardware solution. And and on that side, we have, you know, we have the the PlayStation and the Xbox and Roku and, and um, Amazon Fire Stick. All of these types of things come together and they integrate these services. And then we get, it's not a true a la carte system in the sense of I'm going to buy this particular channel and that particular channel, but we're getting a more uh, evolved a la carte system of do I want Netflix? Do I want Hulu? Do I want, you know, um, PlayStation View? Do I want sling tv do i want right what do i want out of all of these and sure some of these services may only cost me five or six dollars a month um some of them you, you know integrate your music pay eight nine ten dollars a month and get your music on these device uh, services as well and, and integrated through your devices uh that are connected to your tv and also stream to your um f to your phone and, and computer so it seems to be that these devices are bringing everything together and, and what are the devices we need to be aware of? Because we've had a lot of TVs try to go the smart option. And something's just not clicking with putting processors in with TV. Right? No matter how smart we try to make a TV, those laggy slow services, you don't want to replace your TV every two or three years when you need a new processor in it. But you'll replace a new Roku or an Xbox or a PlayStation when the next one comes out. So... Where do we go from there? What do we start integrating on these devices? What do they have to do in order for this system to be democratized 
And does cable get cut out, or does cable uh, evolve and learn how to play in a part as a part of this new ecosystem? You know, I could see. I, I agree. I don't. I don't like the idea of the smart TV for that re- very reason that you just gave, and you so eloquently put it out there. Yeah. Um, I, again, I have one. I, I hate it. I don't ever use a smart function on my TV, and I have no intent to buy another smart TV. Just give me a dumb monitor. To me, to me, the future is that the TV is the monitor. You're going to have an external device, and that external device I see as an outgrowth of um, what some of the more high-end Blu-ray players started including, which was USB ports. Right. And all of a sudden, you had a high-quality Blu-ray player that included USB ports that you could easily plug your Roku stick into. And a lot of these high-end DVD players already had set up up for wife to connect to your internet source and a lot of them already had preloaded Netflix, Hulu, you, a YouTube channel, things like that. I see it being an external device that you purchase to go with your your massive monitor and if the cable industry is smart, they will jump on this and go, "You know what? We will offer for you as your cable box or your satellite box, one that includes USB ports and the ability to hook up your Roku because if cable and satellite thinks they're going to be able to prevent all these other services and just be the only fit game in town, they're kidding themselves. Yeah, they're nuts their if best, they think their that. Their best bet is to say, you know what, we're going to provide you so many channels you need. And if you happen to be somebody who is so diehard into, and I'll use a couple of examples, uh, WWE. WWE has their WWE Network now, which is a monthly subscription-based, I think it's uh, $10 a month. Uh, for all of this, you know, ar- you know, archive programming on demand, as well as live events and specials. A lot of so college football has that too, right? Has that, and well, I mean, Directv just spent how many millions of dollars to keep the NFL from doing it? With WWE, do you get the pay-per-view events if you subscribe to this thing too? You do, which which is why, as as a for the diehard fan in that industry, it's such a great value because those you know pay-per-view events that cost anywhere from $30 to $50 a month are included in your $10 monthly fee. So essentially, you're getting that pay-per-view event for $10 and everything else is a bonus if you want to look at it that way. Yeah, the same thing with these college so, uh, football uh, networks. So over the internet, you can watch your favorite college football team every single game they have. Um, because let's say you, you know, you're you a fan of... Uh, you can be a fan of any team, even if you're a top 10 team. Not every single game is going to be nationally aired. And so, if you live away from where you went to school, or if you went, uh, if you live away from where uh, you know the school that you follow, whether you went there or not, it's hard to catch football games if you're if you're truly following this team. And just like WWE, you know, you can subscribe to a package and say, you know, sure, I may you know fly in and go to a game, but with this package, I get access to every single game and I can stream it on any device I want. You know, I can stream it to my phone, my my computer, my my television, if I want. And it, we kind of, I guess we kind of sound like old folks here, but the fact is, uh, you know, if we talk to really young people, I think they'd agree with this, that you don't need to build intelligence into your monitor, right? An all-in-one PC makes sense because it's a PC mixed in with the monitor. You're not going to do anything else typically with that monitor except use it with the PC. Now, when it comes to a television, you don't really need to bake this processor and memory and all of these applications in because you're going to do other things with that monitor. You're going to play video games. You're going to watch television. You're going to use it just to put visuals up while you're playing music in the background. 
all of these types of use cases are, are, are real. So identifying what's dumb, but it also seems like we're talking about a cloud model here. So if our futuristic visions are true, what ends up winning in the long run are these cloud models of, I can have any device of mine with me. Let's just say I have my cell phone and I want to log into my Netflix account or I want to log into my cable company account if cable evolves or some cable companies are starting to get to this point now but still in large expensive packages they haven't quite chopped it up yet but but the point is if I take my device right and I have my cable or my Netflix or whatever streaming to my phone and now I can cast it to a television at my friend's house or cast it to a uh, television at my workplace well, now I have all of my content in the cloud, maybe streaming through my personal device. Maybe I can route that data transfer to uh, local Wi-Fi or whatever. Uh, but the idea is the content goes with me and my family and the people who are subscribing wherever we go on whatever device we utilize. And you cannot tie us to a television or, a, uh, or any other type of screen anymore. We will jump from screen to screen. Is that the type of future you see that cable's just going to have to find a way to innovate in order to stay relevant? I think they have to, and I think they already know it because it's already knocking on the door. If you look at the ESPN model right now, people have wondered for the longest time, and, and again, I'm sure some of our listeners are aware of this, but ESPN, the Watch ESPN app, is only available to people who have an actual cable subscription right. that includes ESPN. It is not offered as a standalone product. So the question is, why doesn't ESPN offer it as a standalone product? And the reason is because ESPN currently collects about $5 off of every cable and satellite bill. So ESPN, because they're receiving such a large cash windfall from the cable industry, is more than willing to play ball and say, we have this app, we're able to stream all of our events, but out of deference to you, the cable companies who are giving us all this money, we'll arrange it where we only offer this to people that are subscribed to cable. They know that one day, if ESPN decides that you know the cable industry, selling industry isn't giving them enough cash, or if, heaven forbid, this would be insane, but if the cable industry decided to play hardball with ESPN, ESPN would flip a switch and they would offer that app as a standalone product available on all devices across the board and they would have fans paying probably double what they get off the cable bill for that access to all of that sports to all of that programming so cable industry knows it's there they know the streaming the multiple devices is what people want they need to accept that they need to adjust their business model and they need to recognize that they're dealing with a consumer that knows what they want and in many cases is willing to pay specifically for what they want and the days of, you know, you're getting 500 channels, but 300 of them are Barker channels showing the history of Time Life music or uh, infomercials. <laughs> we have now. thousands of channels. 500 of them are easy listening. Yes, and, and three of them you actually care about. Those days are gone. So, right. so the cable industry, I, I think, recognizes they see what's going on in ESPN. Obviously, they're paying very close attention to what HBO is doing. Absolutely. With their standalone offerings right now. You know, we're coming to that a la carte world in some ways. But cable, by making it something where, again, ease of use, embracing the new technology, offering to help assist. Again, if the cable company says our new converter box that we're going to give you it has access points for you to hook in your Roku or hook in your different things or, or do your subscription. You can do your subscription to WWE Network 
through our converter box or, or to SEC or whatever the college football networks are, through our converter box. Again, that ease of use, because that's where cable and satellite still are holding on right now. And you know the who has that, that though. lazy that want that ease of use. So they need to capitalize on that going forward. The, the people who have that now, Microsoft has that with the Xbox One. And Microsoft tried to come out initially when the Xbox One was launched and say, this is an entertainment device. And they had a deal with, with Intel, who at the time was creating a television service. And Intel was going to launch an internet uh, a television service over the internet, and it was going to be available exclusively, at least initially, on the Xbox One. And so uh, you'd be able to use it not only with your cable company, but with this internet television provider as well. Well, what happens is the Xbox One didn't do so well initially, and they started, you know, Microsoft pulled back and focused on games, and Intel uh, was approached by Verizon. Now, Verizon has Verizon Fios, so they compete with cable and satellite as well, but they're essentially a cable company that, that competes uh, over a different type of line than coaxial, right? So we'll still lump Verizon Fios in with quote-unquote uh, quote cable, but Verizon approached Intel and said, listen, we'll buy this thing from you. And uh, they made the offer that Intel couldn't refuse. And it was sequestered of, hey, thanks for that technology. Now we know one of our biggest threats who put hundreds of millions of dollars into investing in that service. Now we know you're not going to launch. You know, it, it, it's honestly, it, it's you can try that technique. You know, we'll just pay to keep it out of there. Sooner or later, it's coming out. You, you, you know, you can't write a check and make technology and advancements go away. Sooner or later, it, it's going to come out, not from there, from somewhere else. So I always think the whole idea of, you know, kind of thing to, to, to keep people from finding out what the future is, is, is usually it doesn't last long. Well, in a, in a way, that's sort of what's happened. So you were talking about ESPN and mentioning that ESPN is watching what HBO is doing. So HBO announced a long time ago, uh, months and months ago, that they were going to offer a standalone service. And in fact, that standalone service has been priced, and it's it's a couple of dollars less than you pay for HBO even with cable. Um, that, that surprised me. And then they said it was going to be exclusive to Apple initially. Well, what's, what's interesting is they, they were true about that, they were honest about that, but they also lied. So what happens is you get HBO... Go, which is HBO's, you know, digital um, companion app with cable, right? If you get HBO on cable, you also get access to HBO Go, which it lets you watch on your tablet or your phone or your computer. So Apple TV gets HBO Go. Well, HBO turned right back around and said, oh, by the way, there's this other thing uh, that Dish is doing called Sling, which was announced, what, back in February or something like that. And they jumped on and said, you know what, let's go ahead and do this, and we're going to call it HBO Now, so that it's distinct from HBO Go, meaning HBO Go is still exclusive um, to Apple TV unless you're with cable. Uh, they just came up with a different branding, a different marketing ploy. But the funny thing about this connection of HBO and Dish TV through their Sling TV product is ESPN. The Walt Disney Company is probably the one reason that Dish TV could create a product called Sling. So this is a, they keep growing it. It started at 15 or so channels, going to 20, and I don't know how big they're going to grow it. But this idea of here are a few base channels, these few base cable channels. And from there, you can add on 
different packages, right? And that's what they plan on growing over time. ESPN and ESPN2, uh, along with a couple of other channels owned by the Walt Disney Company and, and their affiliates uh, like ESPN, uh, ESPN and ESPN2 are two of the main channels in this approximately 20-channel lineup. And one of the questions was to ESPN, you know, you've never gone off of cable. You've never turned your back on cable. And the Walt Disney Company continually says they see an opportunity here. And I think this is really pushing the issue of what you mentioned before. Cable companies are going to have to realize this. And if not, you know, the the, the future is going to happen. You can't avoid it. There are going to be options. You can't sequester. And I think the Walt Disney Company saw this, didn't want to make any bad bets and said, listen, we already do business with Dish. We're doing this with a new, smaller product that they're offering. They're not trying to topple anyone else. This is for the folks who only want a few base things, and they experimented with. And I really wonder how much leverage the Walt Disney Company through ESPN has over Dish TV and Sling because of that right now. But we see this really interesting dichotomy of what HBO and ESPN are doing, and it seems to be uh, revolving around Apple TV, PlayStation View and Sling TV, which are really our first three entrants into this market, at least um, you know as of as of first quarter 2015. Yeah, it's 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 happening. Yeah, and that that's the thing. That's why I mentioned at the top of this segment how we've really we're, we're talking about something that for the last year and a half has been building, and probably for the next year and a half going forward before we really see it all come to fruition. But but we're, we're seeing the, the toes are not only being dipped in the pool, people are going for little swims. And we're seeing the technology, and we're seeing that ease of use go into it. The quality is there. The time factors are there. The simple, I mean, you know, not to do a, a total, you know, get up in the blimp and give you the you know, 10,000 foot view of this. But the simple fact is people watch television differently now. People do not watch television the same way they did five, ten years ago. You see people, you know, all the time talking about TV series. How they don't even watch; they wait and they binge watch. They watch a whole season at a time. They don't watch one episode at a time. The DVR and Netflix and Hulu and things like that. People now binge watch. They don't watch one episode every Monday night. Oh, I need to be sitting in front of my TV to watch an episode. No, I'll save up five episodes, watch them straight through, unless it's a finale or something along those lines. The only exception. And this is where ESPN is so interesting in all this. The only exception really is live sports because there is still that desire to see the sporting event live as it happens and not time shifted. But for the most part, people are watching television differently. People are looking at television differently. People are no longer impressed with how many channels you're offering. Instead, they're more impressed with what content are you delivering me that I actually care about and that I'm willing to pay for. So the whole industry as a whole is going through this incredible change, and we've touched upon some of the points why, uh, some of the potential outcomes that could be uh, occurring as a result, and it's going to be really interesting, I think, to, to revisit this topic in six months, in a year, in a year and a half, and see which way the industry is pointing and how some of these, I guess you could call them experiments, trial runs, are working out in the industry. So let's give a vision of the future. So I'm going to start on this, Christopher. I'm going to I'm going to kind of steal that privilege from you, and I'm going to give my vision of the future and how I see this play out, and then you give me yours. Okay? Go for it. All right. So here's what I see in the next five to ten years. I see that 
we're gonna I'm gonna start with our smaller devices first I see that our cell phones continue to become more and more prevalent now I don't want to jump off into a side conversation about what's about to happen or at least what I hope is about to happen in the mobile world at least with the carriers uh, I think that's still about five or ten years off but focusing on our phones first I think we're going to get continually more and more access you already have HBO if you want on your phone, you already have ESPN, you already have practically any channel you want. A lot of channels have standalone watch this channel apps, right? Just go to your uh, go to your uh, market and your uh, phone, no matter what type of uh, operating system you use, just go to the market on your phone, the app store, and search for the word watch, and you'll come back with a bunch of television channels. So we have all of this evolving here. Uh, phone, tablet. When we switch over to the cable side of things, to the television side of things, we have a large screen that has one box or maybe two boxes that are attached to it and feed a dedicated amount of content. Where we're at right now is these two worlds are starting to cross. First of all, like I mentioned, with broadcast and cable television channels starting to pop up on your phone and tablet. But the reverse is true as well. You're starting to want to do more with your television than just watch TV. Playing video games is nothing new. We've been plugging in video game consoles for decades. But what happens when we start to want to run Excel on our television if we have a television in a meeting room? What happens when we start wanting to use Skype? Now, smart TVs right now have these features built in. But where we go down the road is this. The piecemeal a la carte system that's starting to develop is the a la carte cable system we've been asking for. We just don't know it yet and the right products haven't been developed at this time. Some of them may be in their infancy. Sure, Sling or our PlayStation View, one of these may be an infant version of what it's going to be. But here's how it plays out in the future. The content owners and distributors, they're going to get more leverage out of this game. They're going to be able to choose to align with whomever they want. If they want to put a television station on cable, sure, fine. If they want to stream it over the internet, that's great as well. Then, we're going to take the YouTube-style approach. Now, I don't think this is going to be something that we sit down and write a manifesto on. I think it's just going to natively happen. We get networks, just how Maker Studios has created a network of thousands of YouTube channels. We get these networks of things together and we push them into packages. So we're going to get a clear distinction between the content owners and the content distributors, let's say Discovery Communications in this case, and the networks themselves. So for instance, Discovery Communications isn't going to go and create their own streaming service. Well, maybe they will, but I don't think that's going to work in the long run. We see a lot of companies doing that. What's going to happen is some independent network is going to come up and strike a contract with Discovery Communications and the Walt Disney Company and they'll fit all of these different products in in different, uh, in different methods in different ways. Then the end consumer is going to be free to purchase a subscription to whatever they want from a number of different sources. Now once that is procured, whatever that thing is, it's not just TV, it's not just on the computer, and it's not just on the phone. It's streaming through the cloud to any smart device. Yeah, I, I would just, I would just say, you know, honestly, the industry, the way the industry is changing, is the the end consumer is going to want to be able to pick and choose what they watch, and they want to feel like they're going to be getting dollar value. 
the days of people paying $120, $110 for a cable package consisting primarily of channels they never watch is going to go People will still pay, but they are going to want to see value for their dollar. And that's where the cable and satellite industries are going to change. They're going to want to know that the content they're paying for is actual content that they're using. So the cable and satellite companies are going to have to rethink their tiers and their packaging and how they offer channels to people. And the devices are going to be connected. No one is going to want just the signal going on their big screen in their living room. They're going to want to be able to access it on their phones, on their tablets, on their computers, wherever they go. That anytime, anywhere model is what they want. That's where we're headed. Now, the big factor, obviously, again, right now is ease of use. So the person that can put together the device, the converter box, the switching system, what have you, that allows people to easily switch between accounts, between subscriptions, between services, that's the person that's going to rake in the cash because that's the person that's going to appease the end user because the content providers, especially the big boys, they're ready. NBC Universal is ready. Disney is ready. Whatever comes their way, they're going to be able to capitalize on whatever that business model is. It's just a matter of creating one that the end user is going to embrace and enjoy as much as they enjoy the ease of being able to pick up a remote and get everything one touch right now. In your world, do we have a couple of large providers that offer a la carte solutions? Or do we have a couple of people or providers that create devices and services that help the consumer integrate multiple devices? Which of those two realities do you see playing out? I see the latter happening first and then the former trying to catch up. Okay. You know, I, I, I definitely see that happening. I think that we're going to have devices and we're going to continue to piecemeal and to create our own a la carte systems. Uh, I do think down the road some large, um, really great solutions will build up. That way additional convenience can be had. If you're a consumer and you say, I don't want to deal with this, I only want to pay one person and I get one device, and then we'll be back on what the original dream for cable was, this a la carte system. Um, but... I do think that the choice is still going to be there. So in the future, if you say, I don't want to go with XYZ Co., whatever that is. I don't want to go with Acme Co. I don't want somebody to do it all for me. I just want this thing, that thing, and the other thing. Then you're still going to be able to do that independently. Where now, sure, you can do things independently, but you're not going to get exactly the same content, or at least not at the same price. So there you go. So I guess we're going to revisit this topic in what, about six months or a year and see how much closer we are to, to those possibilities taking place. I think that's going to be interesting. You know, I wish I could make an announcement on this episode and say, I'm, I'm, I'm cutting the cable. I'm just not prepared to do that. I am, but I, I'll, I'll say this, uh, it's, it's 2015. So that means we're going to start looking at the 2016 election cycle here in the U.S. pretty soon. I can say that I'm forming an exploratory committee to cut the cable and trying some of these services. But, uh, boy, I wish I could make an announcement. Uh, what, what about you? Are you close to cutting cable? Have you cut cable? Where are you at in this process? You know, for me, it, again, it comes down to content. And I became a DirecTV subscriber solely due to my own, again, content, my love of NFL football, you know, my beloved New York Giants. The only way I could see every Giants game was through DirecTV because they signed that multi-million dollar deal 
billion dollar deal with the NFL to be the exclusive provider. Um, that said, I have not subscribed to the NFL package uh, for the last season, nor will I be this season, because, again, you talk about piecemeal setups, I have a friend in New York. He has a sling box. He is slinging me all of the giant games. Thus, I'm at a point now where I'm going to go to DirecTV and basically say, what kind of deal will you make me to remain a subscriber? Because at this point, there's a cable company and there's another satellite company that might be more than happy to offer me the channels and, again, the ease of those channels that I'm getting from you right now. So uh, their trump card has been pulled. And uh, do I see myself cutting cable? No, not at this time. There's still too many channels. And, again, for what I need, my purposes and my family, uh, the ease of use is still really important. So I can't say that I'm cutting the cable anytime soon. However, I'm more than willing to play the game and switch providers to the one that's going to offer me the best value for my dollar right now. I think that uh, I think that says about everything. At the end of the day, you know, we we, we like that it's technology, but it's also business, and and that dollar, and, and people want to feel like they're getting their their dollar's value, and television and entertainment is a part of it. And again, you look at again just some of the changes, and, and it's hard to fathom for our younger listeners probably, but in the last ten and fifteen years. These changes in streaming and DVDs giving way to Blu-ray, giving rays, giving way to nothing, to no physical media at all. Um, you know, it's been some radical changes in how we receive our payment. Uh, but it has created, I feel, a smarter consumer that wants to know that you know they want value for their dollar, and they're not willing to waste their money on things that they're never going to watch anymore. And I have a feeling that you're. 100% right on that. And we're not only going to talk about this in the future, uh, like you mentioned before, maybe six months or a year down the road, but probably several of these different topics of what's happening in the uh, move to go to a completely formatless format, you know, completely digital format, and also what's happening with marketing and advertising. You know, I'm, I'm hopefully I'm going to make some people out there and, uh, uh, that are listening to us salivate at this because it's probably some of their job functions. But what does it mean when we have all of these different solutions? Some of them are going to be advertising uh, or advertisement supported. Some of them will not be. What is it going to do for us in business if we're outside of this industry and we need to, you know, we need to wage a campaign? How is all of this diversification and maybe even democratization of media? of visual media, especially when we talk about cable and television and streaming services, how is that diversification going to impact our ability to wage a great business advertising or marketing campaign? I have to to end this on it. We'll, uh, we'll hit it again in about six months. Sounds good. Thanks for joining me today. I look forward to uh, continuing this conversation and uh, look forward to... Um, uh, the, talking to you again about a couple of other issues soon in the upcoming weeks. I'll be back soon. All right. Thanks, Christopher. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, take care. Take care.